This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Hello and welcome back to our show, where we talk about TV shows with our friends. And thank you to all our friends out there listening. We appreciate you and we are excited to continue with our awesome podcast talking about shows. So today is a very exciting episode for us because we are wrapping up our fourth show. Today, we're going to talk about the season one finale of Gentleman Jack. Steve, take it away. Thank you, Eli, and thank you, friends. This has been a great journey going through the first season of Gentleman Jack on HBO. And what a season finale it was. I was really blown away in my rewatch here of this final episode of the first season and how strong it was and how powerful emotionally it was for me to rewatch this. I was really, I'm just so glad I chose this series and it really ended on a super high note, I feel, and took these characters through their journey to the end of this first season in a remarkable way. Leaving a lot on the table, I have a lot that I want to dive into here. But before I do, Eli, why don't you tell everybody what you thought of the season one finale of Gentleman Jack? Yes, very strong, action-packed episode. And one thing I noticed, Steve, I wonder if you feel this way too, is the amount of story and action and physical distance even covered in this episode almost strung it back in a way to the very beginning in that as we had noted we had in prior episodes especially the middle of this season we'd gone deep into the Halifax life and this really slower uh, intricate class system of life in Halifax in this season one finale just went up to 11 and we're now getting a much more expansive and fast-paced view of this world and I thought it was great it was fun and a contrast in a way too to some of the more really dug in local you know Halifax uh, folk episodes so I thought it was Really interesting and fun and a great ride. And yeah, as you said, also a really amazing conclusion, but also opening up of future. And I think as just simply lovers of this story so far, this was a really great episode. Yes, uh, particularly satisfying, right? Uh, For how locked in you were on, on Ann Lister and Ann Walker. But I agree with you. The amount that was told 
the amount of story that was told in this final episode, it felt like a two hour movie. Yeah. But it was only 49 minutes and they, it's remarkable what they were able to cover, not only in story points, like you're saying geographically and her travels and the places that she went, especially in the last sort of 25 minutes of the pilot, having to travel all the way back from Copenhagen and then yeah. where she was sort of at physically almost and, and yeah. in despair and like stressed, you know, she has that. at the end. Yeah, she has that. Sorry to interrupt. She has that great line. I've been traveling. I've been wearing these same clothes for 15 days. Oh. <laughs> I haven't had a shit, you know, like just the, yeah, the extremity of what that was, the travel, the, you know, to cover those distances in those time, uh, in this but, time. Yeah. But you were saying, yeah. I, yeah, well, I agree with you. Like they, they opened up this world. They gave you a great view of the time period for someone of her class and rank mm -hmm. where she was going we've heard a lot about these friends that this high society that accepts her but we didn't ever yeah. get a chance to really see it in action and that really takes hold and i loved there's so much to this series that i think really gets summed up in this final episode mm -hmm. and the pace and the timing especially in transitions to scenes moves with such a high energy that yeah. in the moments when the pilot slows down and it's just a scene between two people, it makes it that much more powerful, like the stillness or the sort of vulnerability in these these moments. But the, the scenes in Copenhagen and how they moved in between each other, especially, uh, I'm thinking specifically of when she goes to meet the queen <laughs> and how that immediately transitions into her and that the at her birthday but the white the white party for right. the queen and the birthday ball. it move the birthday ball and that moves that that tracking shot into the the birthday ball was just following her as she's barreling <laughs> barreling around and and there's you know she struts and barrels and moves in such a and dances way, such a, uh, oh, with yeah, the younger you know her friends the family friends niece uh the, yeah she, she spoke she spoke about being in the wrong body kind of earlier in the series and physically you see it. She's her soul is busting out of her body in this episode. <laughs> so cool. But, uh, the, the, the production value of those, I particularly like the scene with the queen. Mm. I, I just thought it was so, so incredible that, yeah. you know, the, that, that exchange. And then, and then we got to see this acceptance, like, Right. She was in a place where she could just grab a girl and dance with her. And people were like, oh, wow. You know, like no one cared. There was no negative energy at all. Yeah, very little even notice. You're sort of wondering as they're showing, you know, the crowd and the other people dancing, um, is there going to be any sort of public outcry? And uh, But they're in Copenhagen. And this is the Queen's birthday ball. And she is an invited guest of the Queen's, right? So... Uh, that does really uh, put this, you know, upper echelon of Europe um, into focus. And, of course, the character of, you know, once again, assuming this is from Ann Lister's Diaries, and this happened, right? Yeah. Uh, sure. Her caricature, at least, or hopefully honest representation to a large degree of 
the queen of Denmark at this time is amazing. And seemingly she is so accepting, but not only accepting, really wise. She's like, and this actually happens to Anne Lister a few times in this episode. It happens with the younger traveling companion in the, oh, yeah. in the cart where she's like, people are, as Anne said, the higher you get up in society, people are much more interested in the interesting and much more accepting. And we're seeing not only that, but people are almost more insightful into Anne's quabbles. And we've talked about this, you know, part of her. She falls mm-hmm. in love and has her heart broken too easily. <laughs> and all the people are, uh, you know, seeing right into this. So the queen is able to really see Anne for who she is almost, you know, in a way that Anne does right so she's yeah when she immediately holds her hand or t- takes her hand right that was such like an intimate gesture and and is like why did you come to denmark and then mm. over the course of that conversation which is actually pretty brief it's like so you came yeah. to mend a broken heart and you know yeah. everything she's so amazing that character and um you just get in that first scene uh this feeling and aura of not just royalty and maybe not even royalty primarily, but this presence and sage, like laser focused presence in this moment. It's pretty amazing what they craft in that scene and what they paint. And also how they, in actually a lot of this episode, they start to put Anne into this much more vulnerable, um, you know, flappable, but also just real, vulnerable, excitable, a bullion at times, sad, really sad, you know, this mm. true, like, full emotional being. And we get to see her in places like Copenhagen and then, of course, coming back uh, to Shibden, which, of course, we'll get into. And we see just, yeah, the depths of her character. Literally, we see them through this travel and change of geography and putting her in these actual royal and high society presented at royal court. I love that. She's like, well, I've never been presented at court back home. You know, she's like, (laughs) can I be? She doesn't even know. It's amazing. And it gives her another layer of humanity. And, you know, we've talked a lot about that. And I've definitely brought that up before. Uh, What an amazing humanity this character shows through the writing and acting. And yeah, this really takes it up another notch yeah, uh, it gives 11. us a better, totally. <laughs> it gives us a better understanding of what her beef was with Halifax in a way. Why she was so like annoyed by it and everyone. Like, yeah. And she was just like, we're just going to tell everybody. Like, what are they going to do? Like, and it's, I guess, the higher you, and when she talks about this, the higher up you get in society, the more accepting people are because it's like people can just do whatever they want. And I think the probably the notion is well, why not do what you want to do or be who you want to be? You 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 can. You're yeah. allowed. And I think that is what we currently in society call fuck you money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and while Ann Lister may not have fuck you cash, right? right? She's got fuck you status, and Ann Walker definitely has fuck you money. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Um, I loved, I wanted to ask you about the device of the letters, especially early in the episode and how yeah. you were the, through the eyes of her family back home yeah, being entered into this world of Copenhagen. And I just loved that device. And I loved um, the aunt 
you know, being read the letter by the sister yeah. and her trying to get through the names of the, of the people in Copenhagen. And just, <laughs> yeah. I have to kind of say it again now that we're talking about this, like the actress, Gemma Whalen, who was on Game of Thrones, and then this being her follow-up role is, it's just incredible. Like she could be the best actress ever. There's such, such different parts. <laughs> yeah. And she's so endearing, you know, they have their, oh, yeah. <clears throat> their differences and, um, then that sort of reconciliation we talked about before. But the end, you know, the last, let's call it at least, I think, four episodes, if not, you know, three to four episodes, they really just endear her in such a way that, like you're saying, is really contrary to that, you know, incredibly fierce, strong female character from Game of Thrones, such a contrast. But she, you almost, by this episode... You can just take one look at her in her like dresses that she wears and just it warms the heart. Like she's so sweet yes. and endearing. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, totally. And this continues totally. it. And they also, what I thought was cool is they, through what you're talking about, this device of the letters, they're all reading the letters at one point or another from mm -hmm. yeah. uh, the sister to the aunt to the father to Mr. Washington. Like they all, there's this great thing and the yeah, detail. Yeah, that transition was fantastic. It just panned to the other room and he was reading the Absolutely. other letter in real yeah. time. Yeah, it's just amazing. And and the way they follow and track um, the letters, you know, similar in a way to travel. They're not showing us real time elapsing, right? And they're not showing us actually how long correspondence and travel takes, but they're showing us this like detail uh, that lets us know uh, what it actually is like and feels like. And this device of like, yeah, the letter reading. And then, of course, in this episode, we are confronted with what happens when, because of this time lag, a letter gets taken, not responded to, all yeah. these things that can happen. And today we have this, but our communication is so immediate and... 24-7 that are the amount of time that it takes for us to wonder is something amiss in the communication is so short whereas this you could go a month without hearing from someone that you're expecting to hear from but it could just be normal life and delays yeah. right yeah. and so I thought that was fascinating because there's an immediacy of the communication between Anne and her family and yet also this like stretch of how long corresponding with someone who you don't even know exactly where they are and there's no set sort of time you're corresponding and, um, yeah. and that space that can develop out of nowhere, basically. Totally. And the notion of what correspondence was and that scene where it went from the two letters is such a good example because in a way it was a form of entertainment Right. Like that letter to the aunt was just like, read it again, read it again. It's like yeah. this notion of like how interested she was. And then the other scene was just important business correspondence thing, like yeah. matters of the of the time. Like it was it was the duality of those two scenes were really were really cool. Yeah. A very um, full episode. Right. So as far yeah. as um, details, story. Um, plot points, 
so much happens. And as we were saying, you know, at the beginning, it becomes, uh, as one would hope, a season finale, uh, probably the most satisfying episode. And I wanted to, before we dive into some other stuff that I'm sure, you know, we both would like to talk about, I want to talk about not just the love affair, yeah, but also the comeuppance for Captain Sutherland. Oh, yeah. And how satisfying that is because we have talked about this and it has been so clearly foreshadowed, but we haven't, I would say we haven't fully had to confront the nastiness yet, mm. right? Mm-hmm. There's, it's very clear, this plan. Yeah, it was to, all subtle. It was all kind of like secretly. He, mm-hmm. he kept his bad guy close to his chest, right, up until mm-hmm. this episode. Yeah. But you knew, you are like, he's going to be trouble, but he didn't quite show all his cards. No. And um, then, yeah, everything and how it plays out and comes to bear. It's really amazing. And, and how, yeah, and how the sister emerges as a real hero when you weren't really seeing that coming necessarily up until this point. And ultimately, I think we are left to think that this is her big stand. This is the first time in her life, probably, she's done something like this and taken a stand, right? Yeah, it was interesting. Now that I think about it, it's a number of characters that you've been a little wounded by or like, you know, the sister, the cousin, like is she, the cousins. Yeah, they all kind of have to step up for her and they do. And it, yeah. it's definitely very satisfying sort of journey. Oh, yeah. And, and, to, and to watch Anne really be the one to stick it to the captain was very satisfying. Very satisfying. And as he's, you know, protesting, Anne's leaving. And the cousin, uh, the woman who, of course, is still critical of Anne Lister, but wins our heart back quite a bit as she really puts Captain Sutherland in its place. That is an yeah. amazing moment, too. Yeah. They tore him down. Like, he had this air of of being in charge, of being responsible and it was whittling away with not taking her to the doctor in Edinburgh and things of, you're like, what are you doing, dude? And then, but that he, um, was totally just disgraced in that moment of a, and zero power. Right. And he's scrambling to surely we're friends still. And the door just slams Slam. in his face. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. It's rare. I think that you get, especially, you know, a show based on historical facts, um, these true to life or actual true tales. I think it's more rare we get such a satisfying moment where uh, seemingly people snap into the actual you know needs of this person. And uh, so this was amazing. And the way it plays out with the sister and the cousins and everyone coming together. And then, of course, we have an amazing, amazing thing. Uh, which, once again, we don't know exactly what happened historically. And sure. we also don't know, and certainly we could do some research, but we don't know how much the creators of the show had to embellish details or plot points to make this work or to fill in where there wasn't details. So I'm sure historically this is somewhat accurate, right? This is an am- amazing major point of Ann Lister's story, but we have this amazing thing which feels like a TV show set up, which is them both 
rushing back to Halifax at the same time, unknowingly for very different reasons. Well, not very yeah. different, but for different reasons. Yeah, I mean, I feel like for sure that happened. I mean, it had to. I, I don't had think to. you needed to sort of fudge that enough. Like, yeah, it totally happened. And had to. maybe the timing was like, I think it seemingly was that Ann Walker shows up the day that she returned, kind of just like later in the day, right? She, um, she's still wearing those clothes and is inspecting the pit and, and the whole thing. But yeah, just to get back to this notion of the feeling of watching this season finale how satisfied and fulfilled I was by these characters' journeys and them coming together finally. Yeah. And Anne Lister achieving this goal of right. companionship that she has sought this entire season, but with also a number of things and questions remaining like, A, now what? <laughs> okay, <laughs> now she's going to move into Shipton and what's going to happen to them? Like, are they just going to be allowed to live together as companions and people going to be cool with this? There's this notion of the train is coming, mm -hmm. this big industrial future and all the corruption that's going to come along with that is coming. Uh, Thomas's subplot remains dark and intense and sort of lingering, that like subplot. So it just, yeah. it, to me, was a fantastic... So a lot of times, you know, when something has one season, they don't know if they're going to keep going or not. Sure. HBO HBO shows tend to get another chance to have a season, and there will be a second season of this show, which is cool. And But it, it did a... Th who knows if they knew that or not at the time, because they did it in a way that it felt like it could conclude completely, mm -hmm. and then also could, could very easily keep going. But right. her... From the scene, it just feel like like Anne Lister went through the fire in this episode, like mm. from Copenhagen, and then what she had to do to get back, to then the scene when they are married ultimately or take the sacrament together in York, and her outfit. She finally shed the 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 all black sort of thing. She's in kind of like a beautiful blue coat and you know outfit, and it was like a real transition and that was remarkable. And I loved as they're walking into the church, you get this one last look to the camera as the viewer mm. from man listener. And it's like, and it's this shared moment of like, this is actually happening. Like, right. and just her joy and yeah. what a transition that was from her complete despair, frustration moment on the, at the at the pit, you know, up on the cliff of her just screaming and how disheveled she was. Yeah. Um, yeah, confronting her stupid decision, which was a pretty stupid decision, actually. <laughs> yeah, right? Her father's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I'm, I kind of am, aren't I? And she, had no, she had no response. She couldn't nope. be like, yeah, she just had to take it. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, pretty amazing. And yeah, they they used the, you know, breaking the fourth wall device very subtly uh, in this final episode. And I felt like they did a good job of balancing um, these little devices and little sort of nods or um, extra things they did. Like, this is still a TV show. This is fun, right? And they yeah. um, they did a good job of sort of tempering that so it never felt too 
fantastical or uh, took you too much out of the story. So, yeah, this is really subtle. And I think you bring up a good point that, in a way, uh, with the first season of a TV show, you kind of never know unless you're already, <laughs> you've signed a deal for season two and have the money in hand, whether or not you're making season two. But they certainly set this up well and maybe even harkens back to our first show, Casual, in the way it's such a complete mm. first season, yet you can see the questions raised that would lead to potentially, you know, where the story goes. And so you can start to imagine where a next season might go, but at the same time feel, you know, really satisfied with not only the finale, but the whole season as a complete story or yeah. maybe a complete chapter. It closes it and yet leaves it open-ended enough, right? Because you don't, will she be successful in the coal mining and achieve everything she needs to achieve, thus proving that there was fraud and, and thievery, actually getting coal and getting her money back, yeah. you know, saving Shift. And you'd assume that she's going to save Shiftman because now she's with Ann Walker and she can get that money back and get the, you know, borrow money from her and get the deeds. But it's a nasty business, as we know, and there's just a big question mark there. Will justice be served for the main bad guy of the series? Which I, and w another interesting thing about this finale is that there was no Ralston brothers, right? Like right. it was the, the, the sort of big bad guy was Captain Sutherland and the endeavor of like Anne's risk of Shibden and the coal mining itself and just how difficult it was to yeah. sink the pit and, mm -hmm. and the measures that they were taking, the risks, sort of the risks in general that the that the, the company sinking the pit took to get it done in that amount of time, her actually taking the risk. Um, there was some symbolism I noticed in this episode, and we haven't really talked too much about symbolism in this series, but I, I kind of just noticed it from time to time where in this rewatch, I noticed a lot of like dead animals mm. and carving of animals, like or um, preparation or dissect, you know, like uh, deconstruction of, of animals. So there was the dead yeah. horse at the pit at the beginning, but then uh, Thomas is uh, bleeding the pig. Yeah, and then when Ann Walker comes to the house, the the lady's maid there is is breaking up a rabbit, right? Like yeah. she's covered in blood and answered her. I was just curious if that stuck out to you or what. <laughs> I'm not sure what it means. So I was just curious if, if you have any ideas or thoughts on that. I mean, outside of just the, the brutality uh, of the time, which we've talked about, and also like, you know, symbolism, you know, blood on your hands, right? Certainly in right. James's yeah. case. It wasn't clear with the housemaid why she's covered so covered in blood uh, at that moment and opening the door. And if there was a bigger meaning, or maybe it really is very literal, right? And just like, this is messy. Like, this is right. messy. Even as much as this is a like, happy love story, seemingly, in the end, like this is still messy and there's blood on lots of people's hands, right? And it's like, been messy. And yeah. it's been messy. So And and the and the footman was away. Right. Like here's this moment where Miss Walker's coming over and it just speaks to this period of time and what 
Shibden has been, which is this, yeah. in a way, kind of less formal version of these, what we think of these homes in the times. And perhaps they just wanted to, like you're saying, like take that to an 11, and make yeah. it the most improper and appropriate way to greet uh, a wealthy person who's this close to the family who's going to be coming and, you know, possibly living here, though they didn't yeah. know that at the time. But yeah, it might, it might be more of a device to just um, really heighten all of that and show that this is just there's yeah not many people working in this house in this moment and the only one who's available to open the door is this cook covered in blood <laughs> right and maybe also it's a contrast to copenhagen and oh yeah right so um it's bringing us back at the end of this into yeah it's reminding us of how much you know muck and brutality and blood is on people's hands in Halifax and the actual reality mm. that they'll be facing right so there's the pits there's the Ross and brothers and then there is this you know which is like so bloody brutal life and if you're not ready to get your hands dirty you're not going to make it especially in Halifax right yeah yeah so, good point yeah good. I'm glad to check in with you about that uh, it's interesting to just bring that into draw that into the the larger colors and world that they've created here and they're really this final episode just really landing in well we're going to take you out to the outside of this world to the heights of society in europe and we're going to draw you right back into this messy kitchen and these back rooms of first level first floor of of Shibden Hall. Yeah. I thought one of the things that was great about <clears throat> this episode was also how they showed um Eugenie. Oh yeah. And she if you think about it through the whole series, uh she is about as useless of a lady's maid <laughs> as you could be <laughs> until it comes to beauty, right? Like her only uh the only sort of inclination and skill in this realm they show is when she's doing hair and makeup and right she's she is after all a french lady's maid so she does have some skills but otherwise whether it's you know her being of course pregnant in the beginning to just simply by the end of it you know sick from the travel the ferocious travel unsurprisingly but at the same time this character of eugenie uh, she also really shows that like burden of this breakneck pace of travel and stuff going yeah. on and the brutality, all this stuff. You, you need you needn't look further than Eugenie. And of course, they get home and she pukes, falls out of the cart and pukes. And uh, but I think it's really fascinating her very very minor and subtle role, but she like Anne Lister. She's never like questions or, you know, thinks about changing her lady's maid or anything. And uh, it's a really funny, just subtle sort of uh, part of Anne is that she just drags this French lady's maid everywhere who seemingly is barely able to do her job duties, right? Yeah. And it was the both of them, too. Both the servants are just, <laughs> just killing themselves, yeah. nearly dying, trying to keep up with Anne Lister. And it, it, totally. I think it's a great way to show how ferociously strong Anne Lister was of a human being um, yeah. and driven and just next level 
life form. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just being like, you know, being Kobe King and just getting that letter. The moment that she had before the decision to yell out for Eugenie that they're leaving. And I would assume um, one of Eugenie's traits that she's pretty good at is packing quickly. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> <With> probably... <laughs> um, but that she knew in that moment, she's like, this is going to suck. And then she just goes, you know, right? And 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 she gets through the, vo- the boat voyage, which she obviously didn't enjoy because she's just in a hammock, like, you know, frozen trying yeah. to sleep through the whole thing but she's immediately off the boat and uh there was a great part where she starts talking and then she was like turns back she's like did you get all that <laughs> like <laughs> are you with me and they're like yes yep we got you he's like okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> and yeah. then they and then she's sort of riding the carriage in the back and they're just passed <laughs> out you know that's so great exhaustion. Yeah. i love it too because uh i don't know if you thought about this as well but like when she comes back in the beginning and she's mm-hmm. driving the coach in the front yeah yeah and yeah. then it's cool and then she returns in this final episode and it's hard to tell like what like she's in this crate she's like surfing on the back of the coach basically right she's like in this yeah. crazy she just physically in uh the whole series and especially this episode they really show Anne's just intense fortitude and how Ooh. um yeah, she's she's the strongest human in uh, every episode, pretty much in every way possible. Yeah, ferocious, ferocious. ferocious. Like, they, they, yeah, there, there was a great um, editing sort of thing they did in this sequence where they had there was the two carriages returning to Halifax, right? It was Ann right. Walkers and Ann Lister's. So the one that they showed first was Ann Lister's, and Thomas the manservant was on the back, like passed out, like he was like asleep. Yeah. On the back. And then it quickly cut to Ann Walker's where there was just a suitcase on the back. And then the next time you see the carriage, right, she's surfing it or sailing on the back, you know, <laughs> and that, like just like very powerful image. And yeah. the dude is is um, both the servants are just crashed out in inside the carriage <laughs> and just didn't make it back. And like, mm. the, so it was it was uh, it was really cool um, transition and sequence back to Halifax for sure. And her, um, let's say her like mental state of traveling, like her ex- exhaustion, anger, you know, the, the whole moment when she finds the aunt who is totally recovered at that point and the, the intensity of, you know, we talked about this and we get back to sort of things are bloody, things are tough, things it's hard to survive, right? Like in, yeah. in this world. And so her anger towards the doctor was mm-hmm. was a very life-threatening mistake that he made. And she has just enough energy left to express that to him. And then she's like toast, but has to still deal with her father <laughs> and, you know, go see her aunt and then deal with the father and deal with the pit. And so she's, by the time she gets up to the pit, she's just such a wreck. And the actress does such a good job of showing that. And we've already seen her at the ball and, and, you know, and later on we see her. And I mean, it's just the, the, the depth of um, this actress, Sarong Jones and, and where she goes with Ann Lister is it's, everywhere she just she it's it's such a complete 
character and and the image of of them with their big sort of scene where they finally get to be together right at, mm. the, at the pit and Ann walker and that and what was cool was how fast we talk about the, or i brought up the pacing of the show and in this fun in this finale and how how with what great energy and pacing the the scenes move and then transition back to halifax and it finally gets up to that cliff and they have this incredible scene that Mm. is so heartfelt and emotional and it just seemed it was one of the reasons why this episode there was so much it felt like this episode was so rich or like a complete film in and of itself even though it was 49 minutes but their embrace at the end of that scene where they kiss and then it pans out to the large uh, scenic mm-hmm. shot of yeah. off the cliff of, of Halifax and, and just what stood out to me was you really saw everything that Ann Lister had been through in this episode and that and just how just disheveled in a way she was but just raw and in love and they just the two of them just presenting themselves as they are without there was no makeup there was no you know beautifying themselves up there was they weren't shining anything it was they were like this is who we are we love each other we want to be together boom here it is and it made it made for such a satisfying sort of final chapter of this or final part of this finale when they do get when they do take the sacrament and she looks back at the camera and it's like what smiles like this is happening what and I was just like, <laughs> um yeah but yeah i i uh i can't say enough about this series i just i think it's so great what they were able to do here really really fun deep emotional brutal exciting and as we've said countless times, this script and character and portrayal uh, of Ann Lister, this actual historical figure, um, what an amazing journey and really an amazing job of dropping us into this world and this time and taking us on a wild ride commensurate with uh, the fortitude and amazing character, you know, that we know Ann Lister was uh, through her own personal journals. So as you said, there will be a second season, right? So we know the story will continue and um, that'll be exciting to see. But we are done with Gentleman Jack, Steve. We have come to the end of our fourth series. Yeah, thank you, Eli, for sticking with it. Um, it was great to revisit this and great to hear all of your thoughts about it, watching it for the first time. Yes, thank you, so, Steve. Yeah, so, Eli, <laughs> well, what's Steve, next? I think our loyal friends who've been listening for many episodes will know what's next. But to anyone who doesn't know, and to remind everyone, when we finish the season finale, it's time to pick a new show. And Woo! because, yeah, 
<laughs> because Steve picked Gentleman Jack. It's my turn. And I have picked a new show. And I'm really hoping Whoa. Steve hasn't seen this one. Because it was it was a tough choice. You know, I had a top couple ones uh, coming up next. And I really, on the heels of this amazing period piece set in Europe, I had a decision to make. What direction yeah, to go in? A lot of directions you could go in. Absolutely. Am, Absolutely. So, here it is, Steve. The time is okay. right now. I'm not even going to wait. Steve, <gasps> have you seen The Last Man on Earth? Starring no. and created by Will Forte. Oh, no. Hey. No, 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 no. But he's funny. He's really funny. Oh, Steve. We are going 180 back to the U.S. <laughs> for a real American comedy originally on okay. Fox Created oh. by Will Forte. Yeah, our first, our first network show. Yeah, and the great thing, Steve, because of course we are in 2022 recording this podcast, and we know that people <laughs> love to stream and binge, and guess what? All four seasons are available on Hulu. Hulu, great, Hulu. perfect. So we are going to watch the pilot of The Last Man on Earth before our next podcast. And Steve, of course, I don't want to spoil anything for you or our listeners, but let me just say this. I'm really excited for a straight-up comedy that is surprisingly relevant to right now. This was okay. This ran from 2015 to 2018, so just pre-COVID-19. But this show is about a post-apocalyptic world where the population Ooh. was wiped out by a virus. And Ooh. it is 100% comedy, though. Good call. Good pivot. Yeah. Good pivot from Gentleman Jack, for sure. Yeah. All right. Join us next time after we all watch the pilot of The Last Man on Earth. Join us next time, y'all. And thanks for listening to Shows with Friends. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening. We just wanted to take a quick moment and let you know that we are really excited to be a part of a growing podcast network. It's called Connected Podcasts, and there are many other great shows on the network that we think you are going to enjoy. That's Connected, C-O-N-N-E-C-T-D, podcasts.com. Thanks for listening.